Thank you, Clint. I want to take a moment to thank uh, Amy and Billy. They do so much for us. She had gotten us a little packet for all the parents with a little Bible book in it for kids, Bible stories and a stuffed animal. And Billy does all our PowerPoint things every week and does an awesome job on it, amen? So uh, as I come to here at Father's Day, it's interesting because uh, you start to think of the importance as we go on in this issue of you know, week one, Ben did a great job talking about we have to stand out. And then week two, he came back and said we had to stand up. And today's about standing strong. And I think back at my childhood and my father, and my dad was a great guy. He, uh, you know, he was a, a God-fearing man. And the interesting thing is I, 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 there are a lot of things that my dad did that I wanted to emulate in my life and some that I didn't. And uh, I just know that back in the day uh, when people used to get a little older, you could tell a sort of the best years of your father's life because they seem to freeze that clothing style and ride it out for the duration of their life, right? And so I said, well, I can't do that. And so, uh, but it's interesting because you, as you get into this passage, I only have one joke on Daniel's in the lines then. I'm just going to tell you, it's not that great of a joke, but it's this guy named Daniel. He was an actor and uh, he couldn't get any work. And one day he saw an ad in the paper for uh, an actor wanted to be, uh, needed to be played a gorilla. So he thought, I'm not getting any work. So he goes and he goes and tries out and he gets this role to play a gorilla, but he doesn't realize that, that it's actually in a zoo. The zoo was being built and they overspent and they didn't have m- enough money to buy a gorilla. So they thought they'd just pay him to put on the suit and go into the gorilla's thing. And he felt guilty about it, but then after a while, everybody was coming and they were amused by all his antics and he started to really enjoy it and he started to get a little cocky. Right, And so he went on this vine and he started swinging across the front of the ape enclosure and he lost his grip and slid and flew into the lion's den. Right, And when he was down in the lion's den, he started to panic and he started to yell, wait a minute, I'm, not, I'm an actor, I'm not, I'm not a gorilla, somebody help me, save me, God, please help me, save me. Immediately, the lion pounced on him and pressed him to the ground and said, shut up or you're going to both get us fired. <laughs> Oh, that's my Daniel joke. Let's, let's get on to something more serious, right? So the story is Daniel is uh, the King Darius. Daniel's about 80 at the time when we get here, and he's, he's, um, he's been through, this is his third king he's served under, and he's a very accomplished administrator. They say King Darius was one of the great administrators of all time, and so what he did is he had these sad traps. These are kind of the people that controlled the government made sure the taxes came in and out. People were protected so the taxes can keep coming in and out. And of these 120, three were distinguished, Daniel being one of them, and he set them on top of those 120. And then after a while, Daniel became the best of the three. And they got kind of jealous, right? Because Daniel was a Jew. He wasn't part of the establishment. He was from somewhere else. And they all got jealous because, you know what? He wasn't part of the deep state. And because he wasn't part of the deep state, they wanted to get rid of him, right? It's a familiar story, right? Now, Donald's no Daniel, but we do know that he's coming from the outside, coming in, and people just don't like that. They didn't like it back then as we don't like it today for a lot of people. And so, to me, I think the first thing that we see in this is there's four basic truths I want you to grasp today. And the first one is simply when God raises you up, People, you need to expect that people are going to try to tear you down. Isn't that true? When God raises you up, people, 
you know, one, people don't like change. Anytime you're trying to do something, anytime you think God's moving you in a different direction, and, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through it. The question is, is this what God wants us to do? And if it is, who should be opposed to that? To me, as a pastor, if I'm thinking I'm doing God's will and there's nobody opposing me, I got to take a step back and say, okay, wait a minute. Because you know what? The devil's never going to let God's work go unaddressed or unconfronted. And so you have to understand that. And I think Daniel sees this right away. As you, and I think the, the key for us, if you're not ready to face opposition in obedience to God, then you're really not ready to be used by God, right? You know, Daniel, you, you look at it, he's 80 years old. He's lived a great life, an exemplary life in front of everybody. And, you know, when you look at it, it says the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss because they're the ones that protect the money flow. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrator and the satraps by his exceptional qualities and the, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I mean, he was so good at what he did that the king was going to set him over everybody even though he was an outsider. He stood apart. He stood apart. See, to me, God has his purposes. But here's the great thing about it. You would think that Daniel, who lived this great life for 80 years, would be ready to kind of retire and settle into the goodness that God had for him, right? But here's the thing. God doesn't always tell us his intended purposes for us when he's making us an example for others, right? He doesn't tell us the end of the story. Daniel, you're doing such a good job. I'm gonna make sure the king puts you in charge of everybody oh, by the way, uh, there's going to be this little detour into the lion's den. He doesn't do any of those things. He does what he does for his intended purposes. The beauty of Daniel is it didn't change his lifestyle no matter what was going on because he lived for an audience of one. And God set him apart, and God showed him his intended purposes. Isaiah 44, 18 says, They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see. Their minds closed so they cannot understand. There are some people that just won't understand the purposes of the God. They will not see what God's doing. They'll fight it no matter how wonderfully it's being blessed. It's amazing, right? God has his plans, and some people will always be at odds with the kingdom of God. Jesus reiterated that he said that some have ears but cannot hear. Some have eyes and cannot see because they just don't want to. Because they have their own agenda. They have their own initiatives. They have their own desires, their own drive, their own wants. And these other two satraps wanted what Daniel seemed to be getting, which was control fame, and fortune. Let's imagine how, how, how much we give up to get the things of the world when God wants to give us the world that he knows is best for us. Sometimes the question for all of us is, are we listening? Are we seeing what God's doing? Or is it about what we want and what we want to do? Daniel's life was sold out to God. He lived for an audience of one. Every day, it says, he went up and he prayed three times a day. It's interesting because truth number two I want you to see is that in order to stand strong, your light must shine brightly. Let's look at Daniel's light. At this, the administrators and the satraps try to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. 
but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Now, let me ask you a question. What a great testimony. No corruption. He was a great guy in the eyes of the world, and how he did his job was exemplary. No one did it better. Shouldn't that be said of all of us as believers? That we're the best workers with the best attitude, with the best attendance. We do everything because why? Because that's how God uses to let our light shine so that people see us as an example to let our light shine. To me, I've heard the question, I'm sure you've heard it before too, that if somebody accused you of being a Christian, the word Christian means little Christ, the question is, is there enough evidence to convict you? Would there be? If you asked your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, would your neighbors even know you're a believer? Everybody knew who Daniel lived for and what Daniel did. His light shined brightly. See, to me, some people can separate their Christianity from their personal professional life. Daniel's life was a reflection, an outpouring of his faith. It's who he was because of what he believed and who he believed in. It was the outpouring of his faith to live a life that was exemplary. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the picture Jesus gives us. I've got to pull out my props. And don't worry, this is not a real lamp, otherwise I'd start the place on fire, so I... Went with a candle here. But the, the concept is this. So you've got the little light. And what Jesus is saying, whenever you light a light, you put it on a stand so it gives light to everybody in the whole room. This is the concept of us being believers, that the, our lives should be a reflection of God working in and through us to do what? To produce good deeds that others will see and marvel, like Daniel, right? But here's what happens. When we live a life that's a little antithetical to the Word of God and we do things that the Bible calls sin, guess what happens? It blots out our light. So when we grumble, it blots out our light to those we grumble to. When we, uh, when we gossip, it blots out the light of Christ to the people we see. When we hold a grudge, a resentment towards people, it blots out the light of God in our lives. Oh yeah, we may be saved. We may have the eternal light of Christ always living in us, but the world can't see it because there's no good deeds that go with it or those good deeds are blacked out by the things that we do that we know are not good. Even the good things that we don't do. Doesn't the Bible say that he who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he himself sins? It's just not the bad things. It's the good things that we don't do. The encouragement to one another. The helping out of one another. The helping move the church from one another. The helping VBS. The things like that, right? But when we're out there and we're doing things that people will say, I'm a Christian, and they say, well, boy, I didn't know a Christian talked like that. Oh, I didn't know a Christian flirted like that. 
Oh, I didn't know a Christian did that way of doing business. It blots out the light. See, Daniel's life was unencumbered. There was nothing to block out his faith. He lived a life that his light shone amongst everybody so brightly that the king said, even though you're a foreigner, even though you're not one of us, you, Daniel, a Jew, you're not a Mede or a Persian or a Chaldean, you should be over everybody. His light shined. The question for us this morning is how brightly is your light shining? And the other question is, can anybody see it? And some of those places where it's most needed are the places where it's most clearly seen is in a family. Dads, today, big question for you. How's your light shining to your wife? How's your light shining to your children? It should make a difference in the home. It should make a difference that's eternal on how you treat one another. To me, I think in order to stand mightily before men, you must first stand mightily before God. If you claim to be like Christ, then you need to be Christ-like. Simple, but seemingly so hard to do. James said, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for he himself sins. I think sometimes we get so caught up with the things that we don't do. We don't drink, don't smoke, and don't dance, and don't hang out with people who do, versus all the things that we should do. Hey, I just was thinking about you today. I just wanted to call and let you know I'm praying for you. Hey, I, I know you're struggling right now. Can I come over? Can I bring a meal? All those little things that are the light that shows the love of God to the world around us, Daniel did instinctively. And so should we as a church if we're going to make a difference for the call of God. And think about what Jesus said a chapter later in Matthew 6. He says, if then the light is darkness, in other words, if the light you have is actually darkness, how dark is that darkness? Think about the truth in there. That if the light inside you is darkness, how dark is this darkness? Think about it. If you're blocking the light of Christ in your life, isn't that darkness the darkest there could be? Because you're unable to share the love of God with somebody in a way that's effective, transforming. In other words, doesn't it also make the gospel somewhat foolish or the gospel somewhat hard to grasp because your life is sort of hypocritical to what you're saying? It's sort of do as I say, not as I do. How dark is that darkness? The light is meant to shine. It's supposed to be a reflection of God in us, and when we block it with our own selfish desires, it's amazing how dark that is to the world around us because they can't see the glory of God, and more importantly, they see a fake, unreal truth that doesn't save and doesn't transform. How dark is that? The third truth, and I think this is the key to all of it, is that kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. Without prayer, man, it's tough to stand. 
verse 10, it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, in other words, he learned that basically what happened there was that it's, it's, it's interesting the craftiness of the other two satraps, right? So we say the kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom was sort of made up of the Medes, the Persians, and the Chaldeans. The Medes and the Persians had a law that if you made a decree as a king that your word was right and true and it should never be changed. The Chaldeans, though, they said sometimes a king can make something that after a while he realizes wasn't the right thing and he has the authority to change it. So when they come to them, they said, hey, look, by the law of the Medes and the Persians, it's really important we understand that you can't change it. They coerce and connive the king and trick him into going after Daniel because he was a threat to them because he stood for something they didn't believe in or understand because they had ears that couldn't hear and eyes that couldn't see who Daniel was and what he was all about. Isn't it interesting in a world, we live in a world that so many people in America today, we just don't see the truth of God anymore. Atheism is on the rise, right? Agnosticism is on the rise because people just don't want to believe. It shouldn't be a surprise to us because the Bible says in the end times there's going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away of the faith, but that doesn't mean our light shouldn't shine as well, right? Even in the darkness. Yes, people are going to fall away. Yes, people are going to deny the truth. Yes, people will refuse to believe. You know what I find most about Christians, though? Is that we all recognize that our faith is based on evidence. We do have evidence that leads to a conclusion. We do believe that. But it's amazing that when we have doubts or we have some things that kind of rock our face, those things are not based on evidence. Those things are based on our fears. And see, fear and faith can't coexist at the same time. Daniel lived a life of faith. We see it as he stood against the proclamation. We see it as he goes into the lion's den. Faith is what ruled his day, not fear of man. How often we fear man and we fear different things and our faith gets pushed to the side because in the end, the question for all of us is our light shining so brightly that no matter what happens to us, we can trust our sovereign, benevolent God. That's what it means to stand strong, is that what I face, I can face it because I know God is here with me now, and he's already in the future. He has my life in his hands, and at any given time, he can take it or he can sustain it, and I'm okay with either one, no matter what it is. Daniel was able to stand strong because he knew his faith was rock solid in the creator and designer of life. And no matter what life threw at him, he could withstand it because he knew he was in God's hands. To me, when we look at things, prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. Daniel does what he does every day. The decree comes out that you can't pray to anybody. Daniel does what? He prays because that's what Daniel does. And to me, in order to stand strong, you must first kneel before Almighty God because he's the one that allows us to have strength. And to me, life is better when bathed in prayer, and we have to recognize it's a discipline. It's not easy to pray, is it? Remember when you get down, and you get, get alone, and you start to pray, it's, ama- it's amazing the thoughts that come into your head, isn't it? <laughs> How did that get in there? I'm praying to God, and all of a sudden, man, I'm thinking, that's craziness. 
It happens to us all, doesn't it? Let me tell you something. What if there was only one place where you could go and God would hear your prayers? Just one building. There'd be a line outside that building for miles, wouldn't there? If there was only one place that you could go and God would hear your prayers, we'd all be lined up to get into that building, wouldn't we? You know what's funny, though? God says you can pray wherever you are at any given time, and we just don't, do we? Could you imagine if there was one person that God said, you give all your prayer requests to Jim Bob, and Jim Bob, I'll hear his prayers. We'd be standing in line to give him all the Jim Bob. Jim Bob, please ask God for this, or please petition God for this. But isn't it kind of interesting that God says that you can come before the throne of grace directly to him with your prayers and petitions, and he'll hear you, and yet, do we? Let me ask you a question. What if uh, the government said, okay, Jackson Creek, for 30 days you can't pray? Do you think we would cancel our prayer and praise service? I don't know. For some, we don't come anyways. It might not be that big of a deal. And now you're thinking, oh, come on, Pastor Mike, that's kind of hard on Father's Day. But is it not the truth? We have such a privilege to pray to an awesome God who loves us and cares for us. In fact, he says, hey, look, there are two or three or more gathered in my name. When you pray, I'll hear from heaven and give you what you ask for. And he also says in 1 John 5 that when you pray according to my will, I'll hear from heaven and I'll give you what you ask for. He's a loving God. And the problem we all know is Scripture says we have not because we what? We ask not. That should be the indictment for us today is where are we at? How is our light shining if we're not praying? When you have to beg people to come and pray. Can you imagine if those men that tried to circumvent Daniel would have came to him and said, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> you can't pray for a whole week. They said a whole month. Daniel recognized the importance of prayer and the power to sustain, guide, and transform life that he wouldn't have gave up for anything. I want to ask you this morning, if, if God said to you this morning, hey, I'm not going to hear one prayer this whole week, would you live in a little fear? Oh my gosh, God will not hear what I ask him for. It kind of changes the way you think about prayer. It should convict you a little bit about not doing it. If God is the author and sustainer of life, and God wants our light to shine, isn't it integral and isn't it essential that we get down on our knees and bow before the God who sustains my very life and ask him to work in me, to set me apart, to be a light that others would see. Some will come against, granted, but if I stand strong in the God, it doesn't matter what army comes against me. If God is for me, really who can be against me? He called Daniel to stand strong to make a statement about who he was. Now he used Daniel. You can imagine if Daniel would have just went upstairs and said, oh, it's three times a day. I won't pray aloud. I'm just going to pray silently. I'm just going to get up there, open my windows towards Jerusalem, sit back in my chair and just sit there and pray to myself. He could have did that, right? 
I wonder how many of us would have done that. But no. He opened the windows towards Jerusalem and praised the God who has sustained him for over 80 years through captivity, through everything, because he realized after 80 years of life, there's more wisdom in being on your knees than there is being out in the world. To me, prayer, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. It's the strength to be the people who God calls us to be, to be the people who stand in opposite of the world in all things. To me, it's a discipline. It's how we wage war. The Bible says we fight with different weapons. And it starts with prayer. There's a type of bamboo in Asia, which is kind of interesting. It grows to an amazing height at amazing speeds. You know, you go out in corn, you can listen to corn grow. Well, this bamboo it can grow as much as 20 meters in six weeks. However, before the growth spurt, the seed lies in beneath the ground for up to five years. And farmers who make a profitable living from bamboo it had given up a long time ago and changed crops that they didn't know that plenty was going on beneath the surface, despite the fact there was no outer visible sign to encourage their perseverance. Every bit of watering and waiting is worthwhile, and prayer is never wasted. You may not see the fruit of your labors on your knees, but eventually God uses that. To do what? To bring glory to himself through your life, through your circumstances, through your situation. God wants to use you, but he wants you to know that in order to be used, you have to be ready. You have to be prepared for what God has for you. Daniel was ready. Daniel was ready to go into the lion's den. Because Daniel Daniel knew the fourth truth that when you do what is right, you can always trust God with the results. Amen? See, I think Daniel understood that no matter what, if he lived life according to God's truth, that God would always take care of him. His actions were predetermined. He didn't have to think twice when the decree came out whether he was going to pray or not. He did it because that's who he was and that's what he did. His actions were predetermined. You can call them convictions. You can call them whatever you want. In my household, we had a conviction early on that we are always going to be in church on Sunday. Whether we're on vacation, no matter what, if it was all physically possible, we would honor God by going to church. So every Sunday, we all get up in the morning, and let me tell you something, we all know how war is waged against us, not only to come to church, but come to church with a great attitude, right? You could take some of that battle out of the way when you say, this is what I'm doing. It doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter how hot it is, how snowy it is, whether we have a paved parking lot or not, we're going to church. When you have convictions in your life, it's easy then to recognize you're going to fight the devil, but you don't have to fight him on every area of your life. I have a conviction I'm not going to go to lunch or dinner with somebody that's of the opposite sex that's not my wife. I don't. For 20 years in business, traveling all over the place, I just don't do it. Why? It's a conviction. I don't want to have to fight a temptation. Right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, isn't it? God knows what we don't know. We have to understand that. We also know that God sees what we don't see. And God can do what we can't do. 
So when God's bringing us through a trial or something that's going on, we got to understand that God knows. God knows where you're at right now today. He knows what's going on in your life today. He knows whether you're a light shining or a light covered. He knows how dark that darkness is or how bright that light is. And he's going to use things in your life to do what? To bring you to a place where you can be what you claim to be, which is a little Christ. Sometimes it's difficulty, right? But thank God the Bible says God disciplines those he loves, right? So when that happens, we know he loves us. And he's working in us and through us. But we can trust him in all that. Philippians, one of my favorite verses, chapter 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Prayer. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. It doesn't come until you've prayed. But when it comes, it's amazing how strong you can stand. See, God waits until it's clear that the only explanation of what is going on is him to step in. When you read the story, it says they threw Daniel in the lion's den and the king had to seal the rock with his own ring and all the other people that convinced the king to do it had to do the same thing so that Daniel's state was uh, sealed. And it's interesting, when he put him in there, he said, Daniel, hopefully the God whom you continually serve will save you. Even the king knew he served God. God put him in that place to make a statement about who God was, not Daniel. And thank God Daniel was obedient to the call of God. Or what story would we be telling in VBS? He gets thrown into the lion's den, and it's amazing. When you think about it, Daniel slept better that night than the king did in the palace. He slept better in the lion's den than the king did in the palace. It's said in the scripture that the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment, being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Isn't that interesting? That someone who sentenced him to absolute death was worried for him. And he loved him because of the man he was. And it's interesting. Verse 20. The next day, he says, and when he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And I love his response. He didn't come back with some sarcastic response. He didn't come back with, I can't believe he did this to me. Of course he did. He comes back with this. Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. He knew, the king knew he was innocent. O king, I have done no harm. Let me ask you a question. Do we recognize that God's in control of everything? Everything that's going on in your life right now, no matter where you're at? He is. 
Here's the thing, though. You have to engage them to really experience and understand it. Because without it, you have eyes that cannot see and you have ears that cannot hear. And if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in other words, God said that sin separates us from him and that there is no remission of sin sin without the shedding of blood. So the only way that I can have a relationship with God is someone to take care of my sin problem because when I have a sin problem, the greatest of which is denying his existence, that what ends up happening is I can't see the truth. I'm blinded to it. I don't understand it. I'll fight it. I'll mock it. I'll ridicule it. When we step back from it, we say, okay, I know I've sinned against the God who designed this world. Think about it. Even scientists today say that the world, I mean, the universe had a beginning. That means time had a beginning, space had a beginning, and matter had a beginning. So in other words, in order for it to have a beginning, that means that which gave it its beginning had to be timeless, spaceless, and immaterial. Isn't that who we call God? It's amazing that science is catching up to where we're at. But here's the thing. Most can't see it because they don't want to. And when we recognize that Jesus Christ was sent to be a payment for our sins so that we can have a relationship with the designer, creator of everything, God, and we trust in that, guess what happens? Our sin is covered. The Bible says it's made white as snow to be no more. And when that happens, now we start to have an understanding of his truth and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and the things that we couldn't understand, the things that we couldn't see, we now see. And the light goes on. And when the light goes on, if we're obedient to that light, guess what? Those good works will shine before men, and those good works shine before men. God will use those to bring himself glory through your life. That's the gospel. That's the truth of the word of God, is to say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, in need of your Spirit to lead me in truth so that I may live a life that you designed for your own creation. That's what we're all about, right? That's what this week with VBS is all about, is, is bringing in the gospel. And we are prepared, and we should be ready, because Romans says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also him graciously give us all things? We have everything we need to give God glory in our life. The question is, are we being obedient to the light we have? Or are we covering that with a darkness that is dark? Daniel stood strong. He was able to stand out. He was able to stand up because you know what? He recognized whose he was. And he lived life accordingly. Verse 25 and 27. This is awesome. The king wrote to all the people after all this happened, right? This is, by all accounts, not a believer at this point, right? because he wanted to claim worship for himself and people to pray to him. Here's what he says. The king Darius wrote to all the people and nations and languages that dwell on all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear the God of Daniel. Man, do people say that about you? Man, what a God so-and-so serves. If they don't, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they see a, a, a congregation of people who are committed to the gospel going, man, look at what God has done in that place. He goes on to say this, 
for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. He's a living God who saves. He's a living God who lights. He's a living God who uses all that he saves and he lights for his glory. And it's also for our good. So here's what I want to do as we close today. Remember the four points because it's going to happen to all of us, right? When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. It's happened throughout my whole career as a pastor. And if you're not ready for that and you're weak, that's not the profession to go into, right? In order to stand strong, your light must shine brightly. In other words, don't let sin block the light of God's love to all those around you. Confess it. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, God doesn't want you that way. He doesn't want you to stay that way. Isn't it interesting how the, spirit of the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes in your life to do what? To take off the covering, to lift it so the light can shine in your life and use those things which you did that weren't right as a way to bring God glory. It shows humility. There's power in transparency, isn't there? In order to stand your, your strong, your light must shine brightly. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand and when you do what it's right, you can always trust God with the results. I want to challenge everybody this week to pray three times a day for VBS. That these kids, these precious gifts that we just dedicated today, kids, who is the next generation of the gospel, without them, the light in this world grows darker and darker. That we would take this week and we would all be praying Monday through Sunday, that people would come to know Jesus Christ and that families would be restored. Families would be, would be reached for the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ because of what? We decided to shine our light. Isn't that awesome? 297 kids are already signed up. That means we'll be in the 300s easily. If you haven't signed up yet, there's <laughs> still time. See Jen? Even if it's only one day, you can make it. Even if it's only one day, you can make it. God will change you if you go one day of VBS. When you're in that gym at the end and all those kids come in there and they're doing all these dance moves and singing these songs and it's funny to watch John and Adam up there with Jenna. She makes sense of it, but John and Adam, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool. And all of a sudden, you could feel the presence of God. And you can go, wow, this is why we're here. To lift the darkness, to bring the light of the everlasting love of God to the world all around us. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a blessing? I know it's a sacrifice. I know it's tough. I know it was hot in the gym yesterday. <laughs> but you know what? We're going to be rejoicing next Sunday if we're all praying. So everyone should bow your heads right now where you're sitting. And right now, I want to ask, who's willing to make a commitment? For this, starting today, and we're going to do it right now, three times a day through next Sunday as a bare minimum, maybe it's the start 
of a disciplined life of prayer with God, who's willing to do that? Would you raise your hand right there? Man, hands all over the room. Hands all over the room. Thank you. I want to ask one other question. If you're here this morning and you've been in the darkness all this time and you've never realized that Jesus was God's son who was sent as a sacrifice for your sins so that you can see the truth of Scripture if you've never believed that, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you want to right now, would you raise your hand? Right where you're sitting, just raise your hand. Now I want to ask you one other question. If you haven't been shining brightly because you've had some issues in your life, maybe it's anger issues, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's bearing false witness. Maybe it's grumbling. Maybe it's you're holding a grudge. Maybe it's because you're mad at somebody and you just don't want to let it go. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you're feeling alone, not wanted, not needed. Let me tell you something. The God creator of the universe is here this morning. He wants you to know he loves you and he wants to know he's willing to forgive you and he wants you to know that he wants to use you but he wants to know you want it and he wants to know you want him and he spells love O-B-E-Y, it's simple and if you haven't been living that way and your, life hasn't, your light has not been shining like it should I want you to know that this morning you can change all that with a prayer it's called confession it's called repenting it's called living a life that's now honoring to God. And he will use you. It'll take some time, but he'll use you. He's trustworthy. Father, as we close, as we get ready to go into our week, and we ask, Lord, that you would do a couple things. One, that you would bless all the workers. That you'd give them strength and, Lord, encouragement throughout the week, Lord, to, to deal with all those kids the adolescent horde that's ascending on Manhattan Middle School, that it would be such a great time, Lord, that the gospel would go out and lives would be changed and families would be changed like we've seen in the past. We also pray for those kids that are coming, that you would open their minds and hearts to the truth that will be given out. Lord, help it to be a time where they really can grasp and absorb it all. And for the parents that are bringing their kids, that they may feel your presence there and want to know more about who we are because of who you are. We ask, Lord, that you would just guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For those, Lord, who are being convicted by your spirit this morning, I'd ask that you would grant them peace and grace and encouragement that goes along with, Lord, just getting on our knees before you and saying, Lord, I have been disobedient. Lord, help us to help one another, to encourage one another to strengthen one another so that we may stand strong in a world that desperately needs your light. And I pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.